And I'm ready, so come on, baby. Welcome to Popcorn Martini Soup, a movie podcast. I'm Jess. And I'm Anna. And we're your hosts, here to hang out. And we always end up talking about movies. Usually over a couple of martinis. Or a warm bowl of soup. And we are so excited you're here for our first episode. Um, so when's the last time you had soup? I had soup, I think last week. It wasn't super exciting. It was just like a, a nice tomato and vegetable soup. But I needed some comfort. We had a snowstorm. It was real cold. And I just had a soup moment. It was great. That sounds amazing. You I, you always need that. Yeah. Soup is just the ultimate comfort food, um, which feels perfect when you've like got a comfort movie on and you're having your comfort food. It's peak, peak coziness. Mm-hmm. Um, when was the last time you had a martini? Well, I mean, we have been in lockdown for a while here in Toronto, and we have not been able to go out to a bar or anything, so I feel like the last time I had a martini was the last time you and I were out, um, we went to go see a movie at the Tiff Bell Lightbox, and we got martinis afterwards. What did we watch? I can't remember. I'm putting ourselves on the spot. <laughs> You're putting we us on blast. so many. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was also <laughs> the last time I had a martini, um, and I miss it so much. Like just that I whole know. movie and martini pairing, um, which I guess is. I mean, are we talking about this a little bit? I guess we are. But like, part of the reason why we call ourselves popcorn martini soup. Um, I mean, that's like our classic go-to debrief after a movie. We go see a movie downtown. Yeah. We go to a bar. We get a martini. And we talk about what we just saw. And for me now, it kind of feels like martinis are tied up with the movie-going experience with you. Because that is just like what we do. And I really love that. (laughs) I almost said name i have no idea what that means um but i just aggressively (laughs) felt (laughs) i'm like agreed um and the word same didn't come out um (laughs) yeah yeah i love it and i encourage everyone to just you know find a friend um and (laughs) find a friend friend, uh, any friend um and go see a movie and grab a martini and then wrap it up with a bowl of soup i guess um yeah. yeah should we should we dive into today's today's episode let's get into it all right um this week we decided that to kick this off to kind of get to know us a little bit we wanted to talk about some of the movies that raised us the movies that meant a lot to us as a kid the ones that we rewatched over and over and that still kind of have a lot of nostalgia, a lasting impression on us today. Um, so we actually found a few that we both have those connections to um, that we're going to start with. And then we've got some honorable mentions that each of us maybe have um, something a little bit more niche to talk about that we'll get into later on. Uh, but on the note of niche is... <laughs> Sorry, go on. I'm just like, no. niche is such a nice word. <laughs> <laughs> it's just straight up weird. Um, I, I will admit, on. yeah, some of them are just straight up weird. That's very fair. But that's yeah. what you're supposed to love about your childhood movies. Some of them are going to be really, really weird. 
Yeah, and I feel like when when we were talking about movies that raised us, we were talking about like movies that really made us into who we are now. And then there's a couple movies, and you reminded me about this with Aladdin, not to like jump ahead, but like things that you don't really remember as something really iconic like back in the day but like your mm-hmm. mom's like you watched it a million times and I actually um I messaged with my mom last night and I was like what's the movies that we, I just would not stop talking about and there were a couple in there that I totally forgot about so <gasps> I'm excited to dive into that too oh I love um, that yeah um anyway so yeah I well, mean I distinctly remember like there are a couple of things that I had to be told about myself from my parents. Um, one of them was yeah. that I used to hate... I used to eat blueberries nonstop. I was like... I would take a, a, a container of blueberries and just, like, dump it yeah. into my mouth. Um, I don't like okay. blueberries now. So, don't know where that came from. Okay. And the other is that I watched our Aladdin VHS tape so much that they had to go out and buy a replacement and my parents would literally say I don't think I can watch Aladdin ever again because I watched it so often wow so yeah just to say that Aladdin is not really on the list today um but I apparently could not let it go as a child it was my number one most watched movie it's too you bad know, I didn't have a letterbox at the time because <laughs> I would I would be I would be Aladdin's number one stan. Wow. I mean that's so it's so weird. I mean it's I mean it's not weird and like you were what how old were you when you were watching Aladdin? So Oh my god. I what year did Aladdin come out? Nineteen ninety two. Oh so oh. it came out two years before I was born. Yeah. I probably watched it every year of my life until I was eight. I don't know. Like I, I I'm thinking probably like four years old ish. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's no way you would have remembered that. Um, no, because I feel like actually while we're on the topic of this, and because we're not doing like a full deep dive on these, so I feel like we can kind of talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, is Mary Poppins? Um, VHS was also oh. an, one for me, and I don't even like Mary Poppins. Like. which is that a controversial comment dick van dyke are you kidding i know i know i i yeah i will say i am not a big fan of mary poppins um which is probably gonna stir a lot of shit for um anyone listening that that loves um mary poppins but i don't know how to react to this yeah but apparently i was a huge fan back then and we had it out at our uh school library and this one girl in my preschool I think um she used to hide it from me so that I can't find it and uh it was it was a whole thing and like I'm pretty sure the parents got involved because it became like a bullying issue and like but it's weird because I had no idea I thought I was like best friends with her (laughs) and it's like all this preschool drama like it was intense and it was all about like Mary Poppins you had Um, beef in your elementary school library because of yeah. Mary Poppins. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that happened. Um, I'm just going to read off, honestly, like really quickly what my mom sent me. 
Um, she says Hercules, Lion King, Fantasia, specifically Rhapsody in the Blue segment of Fantasia. Um, and she goes, Hannah Montana, of course. <laughs> Which is not really true. Like, Hannah Montana was a thing for me, like, I think when I was 14. Yeah, I we, was, were, I was we late were teenagers. Yeah, so I was like, um, <laughs> thanks for exposing me as... <laughs> Like, um, as an adult, absolutely. I listen to Hannah Montana all the time. Um, <laughs> Live one on Dalm- Yeah. one on Dalmatians. Um, Bolt? That is mm, so... That's that is also late in the game. I yeah. I don't know. She only... I, you know what? Let's move on. I'm sorry. I derailed <laughs> us into... <laughs> no, I love into, this. Yeah. Late in the game stuff. Anyways, let's talk about <laughs> the movies that actually mean so deeply to us which i think we're starting off with mulan we've got to start with mulan yeah yeah um so mulan of course the classic 1998 disney movie we are not talking about the 2020 remake we do not acknowledge that movie it does not exist yeah we're going old school we're going ming na wen eddie murphy just the most incredible Disney movie potentially of all time, but certainly of its period. Yeah. Um, I, as I was watching, as soon as I started watching this, I got like a flashback moment of this really random fact about me. Um, so my mom used to, my mom, I, I wrote here, hashtag health psycho mom. Um, so she never used to let me eat McDonald's, but I knew that at the time, um mcdonald's i think partnered with disney and they had a whole mulan lineup for happy happy meal mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure mcdonald's doesn't let you just buy the toys i'm not sure about now but like at the time you weren't allowed to just buy the toys you had to right. get the happy meal yeah um but as a psycho mom who doesn't let you eat happy meal she I remember she was at the counter and just like <laughs> talking to the poor person just trying to do her job trying to get me the Mulan toys oh my god um so I had Shan Yu and Khan like the little figures and it was just it was my they were my favorite toys but <laughs> Shan Yu of all like why do I, <laughs> do I have Shan Yu I, I wish it was like obviously Mulan or like Li Shang or you know some, yeah. of, some of the, what not a, the villain. What a strange choice to have made to have been like, this is the one I'm going to latch onto as my favorite toy. Yeah. And I used to play with Barbies as well. So it was like Shang Yu, the horse, and <laughs> Barbie. So, um, so yeah, that was that was one of the first things that came to mind when I was rewatching this. Um, the way the that you day. were deprived from McDonald's as a child, but you still got your Mulan toys. Yeah. Did you rewatch it recently? I did not rewatch it super recently, um, but I feel like I rewatch Mulan every couple of years anyway. Yeah. Um, I just think that I have such a deep well of memory for this movie that even when I haven't seen it in a while, I have scenes in my head. I, the songs are always going like, yep. Say the word, and there will be a, a Mulan song running through my head. Totally, yeah. And I think that it just left such a strong impression that I can recall so much 
which does not always happen. Um, I'm not really all that great at like, oh yeah, remember this thing from this movie or somebody will recount something to me and I'll be like, oh, I don't know. I I feel like my memory has gotten even worse in the last couple of years, which maybe just speaks to (sighs) we're old now. Um, But Mulan is one of those things that just sticks and it's so comforting and it's always, it feels like it's always there for me to pull from. Yeah. And I love that about it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, th- it's the it's the music, right? I was thinking about like all the Disney classics that I love, and like what jumps out is obviously the music, of course, first and foremost. It's like I don't even if I don't remember really the story. Um, yeah, just the music is so iconic. Yeah, um, I think um, I not to totally steer us off track here. We are getting back to Mulan, but just mm-hmm. on the note of the music, I really love that um, I've noticed online, on TikTok especially, um, Brother Bear and Tarzan are finally getting the appreciation they deserve. Phil Collins was not playing around when he wrote those soundtracks. And that they are finally being appreciated and people are jamming out on TikTok to these songs makes me so happy. Look, it was always a jam for me with with his, his stuff. It's just... It's so timeless, and, like, it just brings you right back to how you Completely. felt. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you want... So, I mean, I took notes of, like, every scene. As <laughs> you do. Because I had, like, so many things going on. Um, so I don't know if you want to go into that, but also we have a couple fun facts as well. So yes. I don't know. What do we want to... Because there's a lot to uncover with the fun facts, too. So what do you feel like? I feel like let's dive into the fun facts and maybe that sure. will bring up, you know, specific scenes or sp- totally. specific memories that we can run with. Okay. So this first one I pulled, I mean, I'll just read this off. So originally Mulan was written about an oppressed woman in China who fell in love with a British soldier no. who sweeps her off. <laughs> Immediately. No. Just, yeah. Stop right there. <laughs> I mean, that's a part of the reason why I pulled it, because I was just like, of, this of, is of Pocahontas course. again. Um, but let me. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Who sweeps her off her feet and out of China. No animator wanted to be attached to it. And there was another storyline that had her running off to war to escape a bad situation at home, either bad parents or forced marriage. She was driven by romance for a long time. Um, Mulan would not have been the iconic movie that it is if she was driven by romance. I mean, I think that we have a lot of evidence of, like, great Disney movies that are driven by romance. Yeah. But Mulan is so notable and so important to people because it's different. Yeah. Because she was driven by her love for her country and her family and a sense of duty and a sense of honor and, like, wanting to be more than the girl who gets married off you know how she like at the end she comes back to her dad and she's like you know presenting all her like trophies and you know like this is from the emperor and and this is um like shang yu's uh, sword and whatever and the dad's mm-hmm. like no um you know like you are my i i literally wrote a greatest gift and honor is having you as my daughter i literally wrote that <laughs> i um <laughs> I have so many family feels about this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, and that moment in particular is like she knows that her dad is not really cut out to go back to war again. Yeah. And yeah. she takes his place. And the sacrifice that she makes for him, and then to have him come back at the end and say, like, all I need is you. I don't need all of this extra. I don't need you to be China's greatest warrior. Yeah. You're my daughter, and that's what matters. Oh, my God. That, like... <laughs> Right in my heart. And now, you know, like, thank goodness she wasn't falling in love with a British soldier that oh sweeps God. her off her feet. Like, please. <laughs> Would have been a completely different movie with a completely different message. Yeah. Um, not to mention the, like, uncomfortable implications of having a British soldier come in. We've already seen that play yeah. out in Pocahontas. We've seen yeah. the um, harsh colonial overtones. And we know that, you know, China also colonized. And so it's a little bit of a different dynamic, yeah. but still not good. Still not mm -hmm. good. And then if that had been the direction the story had taken, would we have gotten Li Shang? You have a fact about Li Shang, don't you? Yes, I do. So B.D. Wong, who just does the voice of Li Shang... Um, there was another actor. I didn't even write his name because is another. I don't. I don't even know who he is. But he he does the singing voice of Li Shang, right. and then B D Wong is the one that does the speaking voice. Um, and he was doing an interview. I think it was from this last year or something really recent, where he was talking about Li Shang and the fact that he's you know sexually fluid icon just moment and. Um, that was obviously something that we had to bring up. Absolutely. Yes. Um, for thoughts. those of you, for those of you who are new to us as people, um, fair warning, this is going to be a queer thirsty podcast. Um, I actually thought very briefly about getting us a sound effect that's like the thirst buzzer, um, for any moment as when I'm might trying be... to drink my water <laughs> I'm so sorry and, like, choking over <laughs> that could be the sound effect me choking over water I love that um, but my concern is like yeah. if we have a thirst buzzer that goes off every time we're thirsty on this podcast that's gonna be the whole podcast it's yeah, just gonna yeah. be the thirst buzzer yeah so... it's, yeah it's just gonna it's not it's not a buzzer like it's just like background it's noise just the whole thing yeah. yeah. So I decided against that, but um, fair warning, there will be a lot of that, and it would be going off right now as we talk about how Li Shang is perfect yeah. and needs to be protected, although he can protect himself because he's a badass, um, mm -hmm. and how th there's there was this whole issue a few years ago with, like, oh, Li Shang must be gay because he fell in love with Mulan when he thought she was a man mm -hmm. but he loves her just as much when he finds out the truth and she saves china and he's like yep. oh my god this woman is amazing we don't need to put a label on li shang li shang can no. be whatever he wants to be he can love whoever he wants to love and if sexually fluid li shang is canon which i believe it is if you watch the movie yeah. I stand with him. I love him. Yeah. I support him. Yeah. 
we are need. yes we are literally the grandma at the end where she's like do you want to stay forever yes that's how i feel every time when she says it i'm like yes please agreed um i feel like we can go obviously on and on about this movie we could spend an entire four <laughs> hour after we have on, on Mulan. <laughs> um but maybe we need to move on to another movie that's a good idea because there are so many others um i love shrek I don't even know where to begin, um, but we kind of talked about, like, music being a thing, and, like, I guess as kids, like, I, I, I often read, like, for kids, and when you're growing up, like, music is a, such a huge part to, you know, learning and developing, and it really sticks with you, and, like, mm-hmm. Shrek has, like, a really good soundtrack. Shrek has and, an incredible yeah. soundtrack. That was one yeah. of the few soundtracks that i owned on cd mm-hmm. and i distinctly remember playing that cd over and over and over again and like until i became an adult and learned a little bit more about the world i was convinced that like rufus wainwright's hallelujah was the most beautiful and devastating song in existence oh for sure yeah um <laughs> Still still wonderful, no longer my favorite version of Hallelujah. But mm. for so long, like, that was it. That was the song. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's amazing how many iconic songs are attached to that movie um, in a way that, like, not a lot of movies have multiple needle drops that you're like, oh, this is, this is a Shrek song. Yeah. Um, I do remember reading that All Star which is like the Shrek song uh, Mm -hmm, was originally mm -hmm. just a placeholder and they weren't going to use it in the movie. And then when they showed the movie to test audiences, they reacted so well that they were like, okay, yeah, we got to keep this song in. Can you even imagine Shrek without all star? No, 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 (laughs) it's not even the same movie. No, (laughs) absolutely not. Also not to digress, but like, how do you, I always wonder like how you become those like test audience people. Cause like, when I was working in, like, the film industry for a bit, I have seen people get, like, random people be invited to these screenings of movies that are still in production and stuff and, like, audience reactions and filling them out. I'm like, uh, where's the invite? Like, Yeah. If any <laughs> um, people who work for anybody who knows how yeah. to get us in there is listening to this, we're ready. This is our moment. Oh, yeah. We will yeah. be your test audiences. Absolutely. And we will make the right decision of suggesting back All-Star to something like Shrek. <laughs> the kind of iconic moment that is still talked about 20 years later. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Can yeah. make it happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, I, I had to just... <laughs> I was like, I'm so jealous of, of, of those roles. Um, also, so weird. I just noticed this, but obviously Mulan had Eddie Murphy. This also has Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy is like icon. Like, Eddie Murphy is a staple of my childhood in a way that I like didn't even yeah. realize for so long. He's also 100%. the lead in um, Daddy Daycare, which oh, okay. 
I another movie that I watched probably way more than I should have given yeah. the uh, actual quality of the movie. I loved it. I loved it so much. This reminded me. Um, did you ever watch uh, Haunted Mansion? Oh, with Eddie Murphy ages ago. Ugh, it's so good. I haven't seen it recently, so I feel like that's something I'm gonna rewatch maybe tonight. <laughs> yeah. Again, great Another classic. Great music. Like, yeah. Um, Shrek is one of those movies that has obviously a couple different sequels. And the second one just stands so strong. Not a lot of movies or franchises do that. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I I know that we're going to be talking about Spy Kids um, a bit later. But like, and that's another one where the second one stands. It so is. (laughs) But Shrek is also, you know, like the second one is incredible. I have so many, again, like formative memories. Um that stand out so intensely in my mind from the sequel, um, which is another movie with incredible songs in it. The performance from The Fairy Godmother, I will never get over. I completely agree. I I feel like with that and also All Star and also what we kind of talked about with like Mulan and like, um, I'll make a man out of you. Like, there is obviously a trend here where, (laughs) as just adults, we need to have songs like that that, like, just keeps us together. (laughs) Our emotional support songs. Yeah. Like, what keeps us going is not, like, day-to-day life. It is (laughs) songs from your childhood. (laughs) These are the songs that make you, like, feel like it's just worth pushing through all the you know yeah all the bullshit in life (laughs) yeah like you don't think about it when you're a kid how much these songs impact you you're just like wow this is a great song and i love it and then as you get older and you start forgetting everything like i truly feel like i forget everything all the time but i never ever forget the words and the music and the beats to my favorite songs from when I was a kid. And so I think yeah. that the people who are making movie for kids now, the people who wrote the music and lyrics to um, all the songs from Frozen and mm-hmm. all the songs from Encanto and yeah. these movies that kids are latching onto now, there's so much that they are giving these kids because those kids who grew, like who latched onto Frozen are going to remember do you want to build a snowman for the rest of their mm-hmm. lives yeah and those are the songs that they're going to turn to just like we turn to all-star and i'll make a man out of yeah. you and i really love that yeah frozen frozen has so many power like just power ballads thanks to adele dazim um <laughs> <laughs> i'm so sorry i didn't mention you deserve better um anything else on Shrek? Oh, one more thing on Shrek. I just want to okay. say how much I appreciate Mike Myers. Um he was not originally yeah. supposed to play <laughs> Shrek. It was it was originally supposed to be Chris Farley and Mike Myers took over when Chris Farley died. Um, oh. And I remember reading that 
the studio spent like four million dollars on mike myers re-recording right his lines yeah because mike myers is canadian and he originally did the whole script in his regular canadian accent yeah and then he watched it back and was like no that's not gonna do and so he re-recorded the whole thing in the iconic shrek scottish accent and i feel like so many of the quotable lines from that movie would not be the same if he had not done that and so mike myers creative genius respect yeah just the accent plays a huge huge part in the most like all the iconic iconic lines it's one of those movies that my dad and i will quote at each other just randomly there will be something going on and we will yell like a shrek and donkey quote back and forth and like i don't think that it would have the same impact if it weren't for that like guttural scottish totally yeah i love that when you um speaking of accents i uh i guess this is the first time i'm saying that i'm i'm japanese um grew up in japan raised in japan um so in high school, the high school that I went to was actually really close to the Osaka, like, Universal Studios Japan. Um, and if you're in, like, that neighborhood, you get, like, a special discount. So I actually went a couple times, um, which was super fun. And there's a Shrek 4D ride, which no. is amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I totally forgot about this. And... Um, during the ride, I'm pretty sure, like, Gingy comes out and, like, you can smell the cookies. It's, like, freshly baked cookies. And, like, like I'm pretty sure that, like, Shrek or, no, Donkey, I'm pretty sure, like, sneezes at one point and all the water spurts out. Like, you know, oh classic 4D, like, 2000s experience. <laughs> um, they should bring back 4D. Honestly, it was, it was, it was pretty fun. Um, it was great. What a yeah. moment in time. Yeah. Um, and obviously because it's in Japan, it's not in English. So everything is dubbed in, in Japanese. Right. And, um, where I'm originally from is, well, I'm originally from Kyoto. Um, and it's a prefecture very close to Osaka, but that whole region is called Kansai region. And our region has a specific Kansai dialect or like an, it's an, like an accent, um, that's different from someone who's from Tokyo. Um, and we're, so people from Kansai is known for, not known for, but like co- comedians often are from like the Kansai area. And therefore the accent is a lot more closer to something that is casual, comedic. Um, and yeah, that, that casual sort of energy that Shrek kind of <laughs> like oh comes God. off with um, compared to like a Tokyo dialect, which is more sort of standard. Um, so Shrek had a specific Kansai dialect and it was a lot more closer to that like Scottish accent in a way, um, which is so weird because obviously it's Japanese. Obviously it's not anywhere close to like scottish or english at all um but it captured the shrek energy so well and like you and i have talked about like at length about like dubs and like just like languages and accents and dialects and like the way we experience these things but um it was one of those rare moments where it just fit so well that i felt 
like really, really good, like listening to it in a dubbed version. And I would never, ever, ever fucking say that, like ever. And you know this, like I would never yes. praise a dub. Um, but yeah, randomly, like the Universal Studios 4D attraction of Shrek was on point and I appreciated that so much. That's an incredible like level of attention and detail yeah. being paid to something, especially I think like, and I don't think the U.S. is, um, and like the Hollywood system is always very good at this, is like taking something outside of its original context and like respecting that original context and working hard to maintain that. Um, I think a lot of that gets yeah. lost when it's coming this way. So it's really cool to see something go to Japan and have the people who translated and the people who dubbed it very specifically make that choice to try to maintain yeah. the context of the original. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm I was pretty pretty impressed by that. So that was cool. I'm I'm I wonder I want to look it up after this, but I wonder if like if the movie was also dubbed in that accent in Japanese. Ooh. Um I'm sh- I'm sure they did cuz like obviously with Universal Studios like they're the ones that Put out the decided movie. on that. Right. Yeah, so I'm sure they were consistent about like the accents and stuff, but I thought that that like just specific choice was very similar to the choice that you were explaining about like not going with a Canadian accent but a Scottish accent to like right. bring out that a little bit more like cozy, like comedic, like fun sort of uncle vibe. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Yeah, um, which is like so well captured in Japanese. So anyway, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, fun tidbit. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, uh, we gotta talk about Spy Kids. We've gotta talk about Spy Kids. Yeah, like you mentioned. I a... <laughs> Sorry, I have a lot to say about Spy Kids. No, we both have a lot to say about Spy Kids. <laughs> I mean, as you should. I remember, like as a kid, really latching on to the first one loved the first one so much and then somehow watching the second one i was like oh even more of this thing i loved at the quality that i loved it like it was it was as if we had gotten the first spy kids all over again but new it wasn't a letdown it wasn't like anything less than a truly iconic movie shout out to spy kids too you did the thing i so agree um I did want to mention that this was the first one was from 2001. Um, I mean, great year, I guess. <laughs> great year for kids content. I mean, at least for us. Yeah, um, absolutely a great year for kids content. I wanted to mention that the cast is stacked. So um, stacked. When you combine the two. Yeah. Like what? what is, is this the movie that people just kind of like it kickstarted <laughs> their careers? Um <laughs> It's crazy. Uh, yeah, just to name a few. Holland Taylor, Jessica Alba, um, Sylvester Stallone, Sam Hayek, Ricky Gervais, uh, Steve Buscemi, Selena Gomez, Elijah Wood, Taylor Momsen, and George Clooney. Like, uh, And <laughs> let's not forget Alan Cumming. Alan, Alan Cumming, like, for the longest time, was just like the association that I had with that actor was Spy Kids and that was it I was like wow this man like all I knew him from Spy was from Spy Kids he was floop Mm -hmm. that's who Alan Mm -hmm. Cumming was and like yeah Alan Cumming I love him now for so many other things as well but to have yeah 
his career in my eyes defined as like he was floop it doesn't get any better than that come on yeah yeah so i mean yeah i wanted to be uh carmen cortez like she was my childhood icon absolutely absolutely she was i idolized her so much um probably more than a very uh well-behaved overachiever toe the line kind of young girl should have (laughs) Um, and I also had a little brother, so it made it very easy to, like, Mm. stick me and my brother into those roles. Um, and just, I think the sense of imagination that that movie instilled in me, um, that, like, at any point you could wake up and your parents could be spies and you have to go out and save them from an evil genius who is also creating your brother's favorite kids cartoon like what an absurd insane premise that would be the coolest thing in the world if you were a 13 year old i mean i feel like all kids like we all had like a spy moment yes um probably because of spy kids but like just you know becoming like a, a secret agent was just like a huge thing for sure um antonio banderas was like my my dad in my mind oh my god antonio and carla Mm -hmm. are possibly the hottest parents in anything yeah yeah well okay so did you ever watch mask of zorro yes of course i did okay so because of that mostly antonio banderas and Catherine zeta jones Mm -hmm. was my mom yeah like though that was like the parents that i grew up with um, there are so many slow-mo moments in this movie that is like, <laughs> I just had to, I, I just wrote slow-mo 10 out of 10. Like the drama is, as Andrew Garfield would say right, in the interview. Oh my God. <laughs> Wasn't it an interview? Um, we won't get into that right now. Um, but like the oh, way that he will said, come. the drama. <laughs> <laughs> That's the energy I got from, like, every single slow-mo moment in this movie. I loved it. It's true. I think that Robert Rodriguez has such an eye for dramatic moments. And Mm. not only, like, what is going to look good on screen, but also, like, how are his child viewers in this moment going to react to it? And, like, what do we care about as kids watching this movie? I think that it really comes through in these movies how much respect he has for kids as viewers yeah because he's not like directing down to kids he's directing like at eye level yeah yeah well like so i had a fun fact speaking of um the director but before i do you made a really good point about like one of the things that i really really noticed and it's not just in spy kids actually um it's also like an iron giant and like yes which we really want to talk about as well um but like so many of these movies depict adults as like extremely dumb and useless and like just in the way of everything Mm -hmm. you know and like that was so related I was like I am not gonna be ever like I'm I'm never gonna be an adult like that where I'm so dumb (laughs) and not listening to the kids you know and like as a child I was like you know what when I grow up I'm always gonna like believe my kids or like any kid and what they're trying to tell me and (laughs) um 
I still I still go by that. Like I I, I love kids. Um, but it was just yeah. Like you're right. Like it's so it's so well written from like a kid's perspective, and it was so relatable, regardless of it being like spy setting. I was like, yes, this yeah. speaks to me. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate when a director takes the care to acknowledge that like this is his audience and this movie has to speak to them on their level rather than like trying to make a kid's movie that is actually just like catering to the adults in the room and then gives the kids a bunch of stupid jokes to laugh at because apparently that's all kids are good for like i don't i don't think that that is actually what resonates with kids because yeah they're so much smarter than they get credit for yeah i yeah i feel it um (laughs) So the fun fact with um, the director, um, so he apparently recently, I don't know how recent this is um, and if it was like something obvious to many people, but I had no idea that he um, revealed that uh, he had to fight with the studio to allow the the film to center around a Latino family. Um, He wrote like, well, he said in an interview, like for me, it was a big victory to have the kids in Spy Kids be a Latin family. Um, The studio was like, why are you making them Latin though? Why don't you um, just make them American? And he's like, they are American um, and they're based on my family. Um, So I was like, I mean, classic studio being like, why don't you make this more relatable? <laughs> Just like As if like relatable means white. Yeah. And and look at this movie now being like the most relatable thing to like any child. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it's... that he stood his ground and pushed back on that because yeah. I think that we all, I mean, we, we know we don't have to talk about how representation matters. We are very mm-hmm. well aware of that. Um but to fight back against this idea that, like, anybody who is remotely different from the quote-unquote white American standard, whether you look different or you have an accent or your name is, like, not what you would think a white American name is, this stuff works. People, att- like, latch onto it. People enjoy yeah. it. If it's a good story, it's not going to deter your white American viewers and so many people are going to appreciate it more for what it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. I almost said something that I'm it's like maybe not in this episode we talked about this, but <laughs> um but um so I'm so glad that that he he came through with this and he also got like all the sequels which are so great. Um, I did want to mention, I, I even put down, it's at 42 minutes, 58 seconds. Um, the moment when Carmen and Junie come out slow-mo with their new clothes, like their new outfit, like, you know, when they're running, yeah. And the music kicks in and like, they both have their sunglasses on. So iconic. I definitely got my mom to take me to a store and get me sunglasses just at least the sunglasses that were similar so you could recreate that moment yeah recreate that moment um and i'm pretty sure we ended up like going to the gap or something and got sunglasses but yeah so that that whole look that whole moment was like just so iconic for me (laughs) it's so like it it really captured that feeling of like Oh, I just I just got a new outfit and I know I look good. Yeah. Which when you are 
a 13 year old girl that's a big moment i feel like 13 year old Mm -hmm. girls don't always have a lot of confident in them confidence in themselves oh for sure and so to have that moment when you're like okay i have seen another girl like rock this thing and i'm gonna go do it too it's just like it's so pure it's so pure (laughs) Young girls deserve that moment. And like I love it. young boys too. Good for Junie. He was also all in totally. on that moment. Yeah. I love the journey that he he just goes through. His and... confidence journey is incredible with the mm-hmm. warts. And then mm-hmm. at the end he's like, No more warts. <laughs> <laughs> no more warts. <laughs> I, I think that's the thing that I love about that movie so much. Because, like, as silly as that is, it's such a good representation of the, like, growth that these kids go on. And, again, it's, like, so tied to family. It's about these kids stepping up when their parents need them and proving that, like, they are coming into themselves and they can do this hard thing and they can be there and show up for their family. And then at the end you see how all of that hard work and all of that um, forcing yourself to do something that is scary or something that you didn't think that you could take on, how it pays off and like results in this really amazing family moment and really amazing confidence moment for the kids at the end. Again, I just feel like that's something that like speaks to kids in a way that adults don't always think to do. Yeah. And it meant so yeah. much to me as a kid. Yeah, I'm so glad I wrote this because, like, I feel like this totally wraps up everything that you said. Um, but I love how Carmen, like, the movie ends with Carmen saying, spy work, that's easy. Keeping a family together, that's difficult. And that's the mission worth fighting for. <laughs> Could you? I, 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 <laughs> I literally was listening to that and I'm like, I need to write this down and put it in put it in writing in my notebook. I love that line so much. It makes me giddy every time I hear it. It's perfect. It's perfect. Okay. We have to talk about Iron Giant. I actually kind of forgot about Iron Giant until you reminded me of it and it's definitely one that's pretty important to me for sure Mm -hmm. but it's all it was also really strange that like I I kind of just forgot that it existed and I actually rewatched it last night and it reminded me of why I forgot about it (laughs) probably trying to just kind of put it away and and put it in a Tupperware in my mind I just kind of (laughs) forgot about it (laughs) that is exactly Um, the experience I had with it um because I I watched it for the first time in years um, last year, and I was reminded just how traumatic it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think that I I was exactly the same, where as a kid I watched it and it had such an emotional impact that I was like, oh, this is going to go away now. I I always just thought that it was like a Disney thing. But one of the things that I noticed right off the bat while watching into watching this movie, it is scary. It's also very cold. No, I think you're totally right. And it does make it a little bit jarring when you put it in the same 
breadth as some of the other movies that we've talked about. Um, and I do think that that contributes to the way that we reacted to it, which was watch it once, feel emotionally devastated, lock it away and never watch it again. Um, because yeah. it's another one where the director is not talking down to kids. The director has taken a very complicated and adult message of like nuclear armament and nonviolence mm -hmm. and the industrial war complex in the US and he has put it in terms that kids can understand and relate to and feel emotionally invested in but that's really heavy yeah this is I, and this is another running theme i wrote so embarrassing watching short tempered adult men um <laughs> <laughs> I get so embarrassed and it's funny this is not just now like as a kid as well like watching a grown-ass adult man hitting on a single mom and as a kid you don't miss that it is really embarrassing to watch mm -hmm. um and I felt that watching this movie <laughs> as well yeah and I think that it it does a good job at confirming what you learn fairly early on, I think, as a kid, which is that, mm. you know, not all adults are great people and, like, not all adults should be trusted and can be mm. relied upon. Um, yeah. You find the ones that are there for you, whether it's your parents or like your guardians Dean. or someone like Dean. Yeah. yeah. And then you kind of learn to differentiate like the good adults from the bad adults and they mm -hmm. they do a, a pretty consistent job at um showing what a bad adult can look like without bringing in you know like really traumatizing violent elements this movie weirdly reminded me of um the wind rises it was a really, really controversial movie because um, it, it's about um, an engineer, an aerospace engineer that builds a kamikaze um, airplane. Um, so there was a lot of controversy when this movie came out in, in Japan. And, uh, you know, that's a whole other episode conversation. I won't get into that now. But this idea of someone or, you know, a person, this main character who is so passionate and in love with um something that is mechanical and something that a human you know creates um and something that could be extremely harmful mm -hmm. um but it focuses on like the love part of it yeah and then there is this background that is obviously super relevant but there there's war and there's just so many other things that are that are happening like in that way it reminded me of the Wind Rises. This is one of the, the movies that Miyazaki wanted to do, I think, for a very, very long time. But because of the topic of it, mm -hmm. like, I think it was something that was tough. And it was like, anyway, I won't get into all of that. We can do it at another episode. But I just, yeah, that just came into my mind that I had to share with you. <laughs> I, I really appreciate when directors find a way to make that kind of social commentary in a kid's movie without, like we talked about earlier, without talking down to kids in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Miyazaki has a great track record with the Ghibli movies of tackling some really serious ideas and concepts while still making, like, really enjoyable, beautiful kids' movies. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely get the connection there. I think that Iron Giant is really part of that canon of like, this is yeah. not a light movie. This is not an easy movie. But it's a movie that you can watch as a kid and feel the love, like you were saying, instead yeah. of um, focusing so much on the social commentary. And then you get older and the social mm. commentary really speaks to maybe some of the fears that you have, maybe some of the um, the concerns that you have with the world. I know like when I rewatched it a year ago at 26 years old, I had a lot of, um, frankly, like really impressed opinions ab- about mm. this movie and the way that he handles such a huge and like controversial topic as the way that America approaches war and really gets his message across without Mm -hmm. diluting what he is trying to do with a kid's movie. This is a good movie. This is such a good movie. (laughs) I mean, all the movies we've been talking about are, are all great, but like, yeah, like Iron Giant definitely like, it's as good as you kind of remember it being. And yeah, it doesn't matter if you're an adult. Yeah. Yeah. On, on like a craft level, it really, it really holds up. Um, we also wanted to talk about one last movie together that uh, we both have some thoughts and feelings on. And that is the 1998 Lindsay Lohan version of The Parent Trap. Tell, tell me about The Parent Trap, Anna. This was another one really similar to how I felt about Carmen from Spy Kids, where... Uh, I mean, both Annie and Hallie were icons to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to be them. Camp is, like, so much pressure, and, like, they're so cool with their poker, and, like, they're, I don't know, they're just, they're so cool. I wanted to be, like, them so badly. I went to, like, some pretty cool camps when I was a kid. None of them sleep away, though, and Mm. watching this movie, Mm. I was like, how do I get, sign me up. I need to go to this camp. What kind of camps did you go to? Um, we had an adventure camp that used to um, that used to run in Ottawa, and I got to do things like we would do a different activity every day, and it was you signed up by the week. So there, like one week, we would go spelunking in the caves in Ottawa. We would go whitewater rafting. We would okay, go wait, mountain what, biking. What is? Wh- did you say spelunking? Spelunking what is, that? is um, like you go down into caves and explore like down into the earth we were just scared we were just walking into like (laughs) random caves that we found that is definitely okay good not an activity that you can create a camp for i don't think you probably loved it did you love it i loved it like i'm an adventure girl like this is my full-time job yeah (laughs) going back to parent trap like i feel like hallie was you know, adventure camp, like, mm-hmm. you know, camp girl, but like make it really cool. And with her earrings and like, I didn't have piercings, I don't think at the time. Like I got piercings when I was 11. So I feel like that's kind of okay. old. When did you get yours? Um, I got mine pretty young. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when, but I, I was, yeah, I was like quite young and I convinced my mom to let me go to Claire's and get my ears pierced. 
bad bad idea don't let your children go to clears horrible yeah absolutely not like i as someone who has so many piercings and have pierced like my friends as well in like a library um (laughs) yeah i've pierced so many (laughs) and in like public toilets as well which is like oh my god yeah really really bad um but claire's is honestly equally bad like they do not heal properly no they give these guns to 16 year old girls and then they're like here you go here's my seven-year-old pierce her ears no it's horrible these girls do not not know what they're doing but yeah that was like super badass i was like oh they're so cool (laughs) so cool and like yeah i love that that plays out the whole time they're at camp like it goes into the rivalry that they have with each other and Mm -hmm. they're always trying to one-up each other but like everything they do you're like I want to be a part of that. What's happening? Like playing yeah. playing tricks and pranks on the other cabins sounded so fun. And like you yeah. would not want to be on the receiving end, but to no. be the one pulling it off looked amazing. And then to yeah. just have someone to share it with. Like when yeah. they have that moment when they're both in like detention in the, in the cabin by themselves and they mm-hmm. have that bonding moment where they realize that they're twins and then from then on they're inseparable and it's like you found your person i i want that i know we need to just we need to go to camp and find our twin (laughs) and pierce each other's ears (laughs) apparently that's what we need to do (laughs) now as adults yeah now as adults we find our twin at um a camp (laughs) Um, yeah, I feel like Lindsay Lohan's pretty iconic for like our teen, you know, I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about Mean Girls at one point, like, of course, there's actually a couple, yeah, iconic movies that she's done that we can probably do a deep dive in. Um, but yeah, Parent Trap. Okay, so, I mean, I'm, we had so much to say. Yeah, we had a lot of movies to cover. Yeah, and obviously, like we cannot cover all of it because we didn't even we didn't even get into the Disney movies and like the Pixar movies. I differentiate those mm-hmm. two, but um, yeah, we barely scratched the there surface. Are so many, right? Yeah, but maybe we can come around to it. I I feel like we need to. We definitely need to revisit again because there are so many others that I grew up with and uh, is so so dear to my heart. So. Um, I vote we we come back to this again. Honestly, do you want to do you want to let them know where they can find us? Yeah, um, on Instagram we are at popcorn martini soup, and on Twitter because Twitter has a character limit, which is really not helpful for us. We did not think about that when naming this podcast. Mm-hmm. We are at pop martini soup, <laughs> and we would love to hear from you. We want to know what movies were most influential for you growing up. I think that this is such an interesting topic because it really teaches you a lot about a person when you hear like, what did they connect to? Who did they look up to? What really spoke to them as a kid? And and how has that stayed with them? Um, So we'd really love to hear about that. You can get in touch with us on socials or you can send us an email at popcornmartinisoup at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, Next time, this is another one that I'm... I'm so excited to talk about this. We are going to talk about best and worst picks of 2021. 
Um, this is going to be so hard. And I feel like, are you still trying to decide which ones you're going to pick? I definitely am. I feel like 2021 was such an interesting year for movies. We got some really incredible stuff. Mm. And we also got yeah. some very questionable choices. So Yeah, I just remember all the hot garbage <laughs> that came out of 2021. So I need to figure out <laughs> what the best movies were from the from that year um it's all a blur it right? truly is a blur um, you can uh tune in next time so we can kind of recall what our 2021 was even about <laughs> <laughs> um okay that's it bye, bye.